It's an interesting kind of twist of events and how God works all things together for good. And he weaves such an incredible tapestry that if it were us trying to do it, it would be a disaster. But when he does it, even if it's confusing at the time, you can look back on it and realize what a beautiful tapestry he's weaving. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we're sharing about the powerful ways that stories can change our lives and talking with a few people who are creating stories on the stage and on screen. Josh Inc. of Sight and Sound Theaters and executive producer Tim Tebow and the cast of the new inspirational movie, Run the Race. With locations in Lancaster, Pennsylvania and Branson, Missouri, Sight and Sound welcomes more than one million people each year to their immersive productions that feature stories from the Bible. Josh Inc. has been with Sight and Sound Theaters since 1995 and has worked his way from stage technician to president of the company. In that time, Josh has seen the countless ways the Bible's timeless characters continue to connect with audiences and how the stories hold tremendous power to change lives. My name is uh, Joshua Ank. I'm the president and chief creative officer at Sight and Sound Theaters, and uh, our mission is to move people's hearts towards truth through the power of story. Sight and Sound Theaters actually started the year that I was born, 1976. And so that was 42 years ago. And it was started by Glenn and Shirley Eshelman. And they were from the Mannheim uh, area in Lancaster County. Uh, they both came from farming backgrounds. And uh, so it's quite an incredible story as to how they uh, – founded a live theater. Glenn um, is a very creative person. His heart is to preach the gospel and to inspire the church. I think he would have been fourth generation uh, brethren pastor. And so preaching was in his DNA. It was in his family name. But Glenn uh, had this artistic bent to him. And from a very young age, uh, he would um, paint um, farm scenes, and then he got into photography, and then he would travel all over the United States taking scenic pictures. And then with those pictures, with those paintings, he would set them to inspirational music, and then his wife Shirley would narrate scriptures. And this just became uh, an evangelist tool to reach an audience and to move them closer to you know, the heart of the creator. Well, these slideshows really caught on. And before they knew it, they were traveling all over the United States. Uh, they started their family. They have four daughters. Uh, two of the oldest daughters remember uh, piling all this equipment into the station wagon and heading off into who knows which church and which state. And so it was a real pioneering effort on their part. And as they continued to raise their family, they didn't want to live on the road. It's not what they wanted to do. Uh, but they were really on to this inspirational method of reaching people's hearts. And so what they started to do was they started to find local venues here in Lancaster. And they rented out an auditorium of the local Bible college, Lancaster Bible College. They packed out every single night. And they realized that people will come to them. They don't just have to take these slideshows to the masses. The masses could come to them. And they did. And so with that seed money from that uh, Lancaster Bible College experience, they built uh, an 800-seat theater called Living Waters Theater in 1976. And so for someone who is attracted to being a storyteller you know, and being a believer in Christ, there's such a 
synergy there and such a continuity because he spoke in parables and that creativity and that gift, you know, he's equipped us with, uh, it just is such a, an awesome honor and privilege to be able to use that for his glory. I still pinch myself because this is just not what I would have expected to be doing. Uh, to be working in a ministry for one and working at a theater for another. I didn't grow up with either of those uh, in my life. I grew up in a factory town, uh, very blue collar. My dad was a foundryman. Uh, I learned um, the value of a good hard work ethic. My mom uh, was a stay-at-home mom and, and she babysat. And so, you know, we just grew up, uh, you know, going to the community pool and swimming and swimming in creeks and just doing what, you know, typical American kids do. Uh, I was the youngest of three boys. Um, my mom and dad were crazy about each other. They really modeled a faithful marriage. We learned uh, a lot of really strong morals and values in the Ank family. We weren't exposed to, uh, to church except for Christmas and Easter. Um, we didn't pray uh, as a family. We didn't read Bible stories as a family. I always wondered about God. I knew there was an order to this, but I always wondered if, if there is a God and a creator and what does he, does, does he even care about me? And so when I reflect back on my childhood, um, there were many times where I would take long walks uh, with my Springer Spaniel named Abe and I would pray and I would have conversations with God and I didn't expect him to answer back but I always felt very peaceful and connected even as a really young kid with this God of the galaxies you know <laughs> so um, there was always something there and I, I felt like uh, he had a posture toward me even in my youth after high school, uh, when all of my friends seemed to have direction in their life, whether they were going to college or the workforce or the military or whatever it might be, uh, I didn't really have any direction at all. And they were my life. And when they all disappeared, uh, it really created fertile soil for me to um, go one or two directions. Um, you know, go a um, typical direction, you know, of uh, what um, people without the Lord, you know, end up uh, doing as far as aimless, directionless, uh, or move toward it. And I chose the latter. I uh, didn't really know what I was doing, but um, I was attracted to people who had this quality about them that I would describe as uh, secure and peaceful, happy. And so um, I started going to uh, a church and several months later, uh, they had a, uh, a concert, a Christian concert. And then there was uh, an invitation at the end of that concert um, for those who have never accepted Jesus Christ into their heart. And they laid out the salvation plan. Uh, I shot up like a rocket out of my seat. I just stood up and I just knew that that's what I was missing. And this wash just came over me that uh, I still, um, you know, it's a piece that passes all understanding. I can't explain it. And from that day forward, I truly felt born again. From a very early age, um, I was passionate about movies and stories. And I loved when my mom would tell me stories and I loved to tell stories. And uh, if I could get somebody to laugh or be emotionally moved by a story, uh, you know, that was the 
the space that I love to be in the most. And so at the age of 12, my mom and dad bought a big old RCA VH, uh, VHS video camera with the big tapes. And there was a Christmas gift and it was for the whole family. But guess who picked up that camera and never put it down? That camera became such a creative outlet for me and for my buddies. I never thought that that's something that I could do for a living. I thought, you know, filmmakers and uh, storytellers, you know, they're the lucky few. They, they were born in Hollywood or they were born in New York and they were just handed this opportunity. So I never gave it a whole lot of thought about it being a part of my future. And so after high school, um, you know, when I was working full time at a lumber yard, uh, the whole creative thing just kind of hibernated. And I thought that was just a thing of my high school days, and we'll leave it at that. But the Lord started to stir this desire in me to tell stories for Him, tell stories that mattered. And so I started to look around at some film schools, and uh, my mom and dad took me to a few colleges that had film courses, and nothing ever really stuck. And so I got my own equipment, and I started to shoot my own stuff, documentaries and things like that on the side. But then my mom said, you know, there's this theater called Sight and Sound uh, in Strasburg. She said, you ought to check it out. And then right away I said, Mom, I said, look, I, I don't know anything about plays or musicals. That's not really what I want to do. And she said, the guy who founded it, Glenn, she said, took her senior picture in 1967. And she remembers him being a very creative person. And she said, he started this theater where they tell Bible stories. And she said, I think you should check it out. And so my mom and I came down Route 30 from Mannheim. And when I walked in and I saw it was the Noah's Ark show and the building of the Ark scene, when I saw that, my eyes just like bugged out of my head. I couldn't believe that this was a play or a musical. It just wasn't what I was imagining or picturing. And I was captivated by it. And so I interviewed that day. And uh, I got a job as a stage technician at 19 years old. And uh, I started working for Sight and Sound in 1995. And I just fell in love with the people, the purpose, the mission, uh, knowing that I was a part of something that, that mattered. And at that point in time with my belief system uh, as a Christian, it was a tremendous outlet. And so I was pushing sets around in the dark for a Christian theater. And my buddies could not believe what I was doing, <laughs> working for a ministry and working for uh, a, a theater. And, uh, but I never, never looked back. I can't share my life story or my sight and sound story without mentioning my very, very best friend. And that's my wife. Uh, of course, she grew up in sight and sound in the theater, her mom and dad. Uh, are the founders, Glenn and Shirley Eshelman, and Kristen's the fourth uh, youngest of the four girls. At about 20 or 21 years old, uh, there was an opening at the barn <laughs> to work. And so it's a crazy twist, but I felt drawn to apply and work uh, at the barn and training horses for the stage. I never grew up on a farm. Uh, the closest to farming that I got was my grandma and grandpa, uh, but we spent little time with them. But uh, I felt like I wanted to work, you know, a seven to four o'clock job and work with my hands and earn a living that way. 
it was during that time when I demoted myself and worked out at the barn that uh, my eyes were open to her because she would show up on this little red four-wheeler with this beautiful blonde hair and she would just happen to stop by when I'm out working. And uh, so she showed interest in me first, but it took no time at all for me to realize that uh, the qualities of, of this woman were exactly what um, I was looking for. And so Kristen uh, is as much a part of um, the success of the things that I put my hands to uh, as, as I am. She's I got a critical eye. She's incredibly creative. Um, and she's just the most amazing person that I've ever met in my life. As Josh and Kristen have built a young family together, they've also tried to walk with God all along the way. And as a family, one of the ways they try to keep in step with God's voice is through reading Jesus Calling. I got my first Jesus Calling devotional uh, as a gift several years ago. And when I first started paging through it, uh, I didn't really understand the heart of it. And uh, it wasn't until I started to read them daily that I realized that it's actually a prophetic voice into my life. It is incredible how many times I needed to hear a specific truth from the, from the word or from the Lord or his heart toward me in a specific um, context or situation. And the uh, Jesus calling devotionals uh, never, ever let me down. And sometimes it's, and I think, I don't think I'm the only one out there that's experienced this. You know, you open up to your day's devotion of Jesus calling and you read it and you look over your shoulder and you're like, how in the world did they know, or did this author know that today on this date, I needed to hear that word that has happened to me numerous times. And the really awesome thing is I have an incredible wife and four beautiful children. And my daughter, Ava, who's 11, has a Jesus Calling devotional. And she said the same thing to me uh, several weeks ago. She said, Dad, she said, I've been praying about this. And, and every time I pray about something, it's in my Jesus Calling devotional. She said, and for her, her little mind is realizing that God's, God orchestrates these things, even the devotional that you should have for a season of life. So it has been a tremendous blessing for the Ank family. It has blessed me so richly. And now to see it blessing my children um, is just, I'm very thankful for uh, that particular devotional style. So here's a Jesus Calling devotional from December 21st. Do not fear your weakness, for it is the stage on which my power and glory perform most brilliantly. As you persevere along the path I have prepared for you, depending on my strength to sustain you, expect to see miracles, and you will. Miracles are not always visible to the naked eye, but those who live by faith can see them clearly. Living by faith rather than sight enables you to see my glory. When I read that, I think of having eyes to see and ears to hear. And if we keep that posture toward the Lord, he will absolutely continually reveal himself to us and blow us away with what he wants to show us or tell us. I'm convinced that if we have eyes to see and ears to hear and we read devotionals like Jesus Calling, he absolutely will reveal himself to us in the most creative and inspiring ways. When Sight and Sound decides to do a story from the Bible, uh, 
it's not your typical approach to theater. Uh, these shows are done very cinematically, uh, even to the point of it being a 300-foot wraparound stage. It's very immersive. Visually, they are at an epic scale. And I always like to say, when story meets spectacle, you'll find sight and sound theaters. The stories like Moses, where the Red Sea parts all around you and the actors literally walk from the stage out the house aisle with the, the, the water parting all around the audience. Uh, Daniel in the lion's den, you're actually in the den with the lions. Jonah and the whale, you're in the belly of the whale and the fish uh, you know, swims over the audience. Like Everything is just at such a massive scale. But for us, what's the most attractive is that these people are real people. You know, we want to we want to humanize these heroes of old. Uh, we want to take like Moses off the mountain and show his strengths and show his weaknesses. But Sight and Sound's uh, vision is to humanize these people and say, look, if God can use a stuttering middle-aged man who thought he blew it, like Moses, to lead his people out of captivity, he can use me. Our heart and desire is to continually get these stories into the uh, eyes and ears and hearts of people all over the world. Well, we know not everybody's going to be able to get onto a plane or hop into a car and come to Lancaster County to see a show uh, or Branson, Missouri. And so years ago, I think probably about 12 years ago, uh, a very uh, loyal Sight and Sound fan um, had a multi-camera uh, company where they would go all over the U.S. and uh, film sporting events with multi-cameras. And it was his heart to stop by the theater here and capture one of our shows so that we could have it in, uh, on, on tape. And so we did. And that was 12 years ago. And we shot, uh, at that time, uh, the story of Ruth. And then right after that, the story of Noah. All the shows that we've produced since that date have been captured with multi-camera uh, in preparation for our DVDs. These DVDs have really taken off and have become uh, our number one retail item uh, and traveling all over the world, getting into the hands of other churches and missionaries. And then we partnered with a company called Fathom Events. They have taken the Metropolitan Opera shows onto the movie screens across the nation. So for us, that was a no-brainer. It forwards our mission. It's still our stories in a creative, dramatic fashion. But now it's up on the big screen, and the viewer can get up close and personal with uh, these actors. And it has been nothing but um, successful and fruitful since then. There are countless stories where we have testimonies of how God worked in our lives producing them and in the lives of those who experienced them. Through the years, you continually hear these amazing testimonies of people who uh, felt compelled to come and see a show, and it was a sold-out show, but there happened to be one or two seats left when they get here, and they watch it, and their, their life changes because of that. I can remember during the, the story of Joseph, which is so much about um, the message of forgiveness and family reconciliation, and I remember at the end of that show, this, this one family sitting in the raised section of the theater just wouldn't leave the theater. And, and the, the patriarch of the family, the father, I could, uh, he was just in tears and he was just yelling, just asking his family to forgive him. Could they forgive him? And so family restoration was taking place right there, right after that show. 
there's this one gentleman who approached us uh, years ago and he pulled his wallet out and inside the wallet was an old ratty uh, ticket stub from Behold the Lamb that he's been carrying with him for over, at that time, 15 years because that's where he got saved. There's no way that we could ever know the fullest measure and extent that these productions have had because we don't take credit for these stories. It's not as if Sight and Sound created the story of Samson and Moses and Noah. They, they've been changing lives for thousands of years. Our calling is to take that story and dramatize it in a way that doesn't just impress people, but moves them toward truth and an authentic encounter with Christ. To learn more about Sight and Sound Theaters, please visit sight-sound.com. And to catch the Fathom event of the show, Noah, in movie theaters on April 9th, 11th, or 13th, please visit fandango.com to search for showtimes and tickets at a theater near you. Stay tuned to our interview with Heisman Trophy winner and former NFL quarterback Tim Tebow and the cast of the movie Run the Race after a brief message about a free offer from Jesus Calling. Want a daily reminder that we can have hope, peace, and joy each day in Jesus? Now it's as easy as opening an email. The Jesus Calling Daily Email brings you a thought from the Jesus Calling family of devotionals every day. Brighten up your inbox with this little reminder and take a minute to connect with God during your day. To sign up to get your free daily thought from Jesus Calling, please visit jesuscalling.com slash daily dash email. That's jesuscalling.com slash daily dash email. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. We recently had a chance to connect with the cast and creators of the inspirational movie Run the Race during a special premiere of the film. Heisman Trophy winner and former NFL quarterback Tim Tebow and his brother Robbie are the producers of the film, and each were drawn to the story of two brothers who defied all odds to achieve a better life for themselves and strengthened their faith in God and each other along the way. Tim talks about why it was so important to him to bring this story to the big screen. 
I think there's a lot that I can relate to um, the brothers and in, in, in my family and um, my siblings. We've always pushed each other and big each other's biggest advocates and, and learned so much from each other and, and always also had struggles and dreams and hopes and we've gone through highs and lows together and I think that's something that really related to me and Robbie in choosing to go after this script um, and, and make this movie. So that definitely relates but I, I think um, that one of the things that's really special to us is that there are dreams and there are goals and there are hopes but there's things that are so much bigger than that and and that's the the meaning in this movie and the meaning in our lives and having each other's back and the relationships and I believe that we're all meant for relationships and community with God first and, and then each other and and so while people will look at it and they'll say yes it's about sports and it's about football and it's about these th it's so much bigger than that that's just an avenue for all these bigger principles and meanings it was exciting and it was emotional and it was touching because I think when people watch this movie, the goal the whole time was always so that they would be encouraged or inspired. The goal wasn't to make the movie, the goal was to be able to inspire people that are going through a lot in life. Actors Tanner Stein and Evan Hofer play the two brothers in the film. They share what the characters of Dave and Zach Truitt meant to them. I'm Tanner Stein. I'm an actor in L.A. I play Zach Truitt in the upcoming film, Run the Race. I'm Evan Hofer. I play Dave Truitt in Run the Race, and I'm from uh, Kansas. For Dave, I really grabbed a hold of his, uh, his kindness. He's so, to his core, so kind to everyone around him and really just exudes that in his everyday life. Like, that's who he is, and that's who I'm working towards striving to be, and so I thought that that was just terrific. I, th I think in Zach, there's a there's a fervency, or um, you know, just he he does everything with such passion, and I I really respected that about the character when I read the script. I think Zach's Zach's struggle with faith I've 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 experienced before, uh, so that off the bat you know resonated with me. I think it's important for people when they see Run the Race to maybe uh, like call their brother afterwards, or make make someone to call their mom, or or the. Uh, best friend and just kind of reminds them of who's important in their life. And I, I really hope that people realize that they're not a victim of their circumstances and that they can rise above whatever's troubling them and use it to make them stronger in the long run. Christopher Palaha plays Michael Truitt, the troubled father of the two brothers. Christopher talks about his character and the movie's themes of forgiveness and about pushing forward, even in the midst of failure. Well, I think the character I play is a guy named Michael Truitt, who is a, uh, he is a, he's an alcoholic, and he's somebody who, um, his wife just died, so he's a widower, and he's pretty bitter as far as just his life is concerned, as far as he, he hasn't succeeded, he's not, he didn't amount to what he wanted to amount to. I think that there's something in me that has such a deep well of empathy for people like that who are broken and who are, and I feel like uh, when I was a kid in elementary school, I just always loved the underdog. Like I would, if there was a kid who was being made fun of or off on his corner, I'd go and be like, hey, let's go swing together, or whatever it was. I think there was just something about um, showing the human face of what that looks like. I think this movie serves a couple points and forgiveness, I mean, in our own lives, whether you partake in the Christian narrative or whether you are just a human being on this planet dealing with other human beings, if you hold a grudge or if you hold on to anger, regardless of where your stance is, uh, just in life, like letting things go and also knowing how to forgive yourself for things that we sometimes do and we're like, I gotta let that go. 
And then the other half of the story, which I love, is about failure um, and what it looks like when life doesn't sort of amount to the thing that you wanted uh, it to amount to. And how do you just kind of pick up the pieces and keep pushing forward? And what does that look like to, to run a race as, our, as a life? You know, like, it's interesting. My, my father-in-law just passed away in April. And here's a man who, uh, he did the crusades with Billy Graham. He got to preach in Martin Luther King's church. He preached against anti-segregation in 1961. They had crosses burnt in his front yard. This dude did amazing things. He was a multimillionaire because he took over this company called Coscott at one point. Made a lot of money, lost all of it. Had to bring groceries, you know. Did another thing where he created a reading system, made a whole bunch of more money, lost all that money. And everyone was rattling off this stuff at the end of his life, this litany of like accomplishments. And none of it mattered. But what mattered was there was a room filled with people who he just loved on and encouraged for 86 years of his life. <laughs> Sorry. And that was amazing. Like, to me, the legacy that he left behind, it wasn't money and it wasn't some fancy corporation. And so here we all are, like, trying to do our thing and trying to build legacies, but what is the real legacy that we're trying to build? To me, that's what's interesting and that's what the movie kind of talks about. And if I can just be one of those people who sheds light and who just loves on people as I go through life, I think that's the legacy that I want to leave behind. The movie's message is steeped in the notion that when we trust God, He doesn't always give us the answers we expect, but that He never leaves us while we're running our own races. Tim goes on to express what he hopes people will get from seeing this movie, and he shares an excerpt from Jesus Calling that relates to his life and to the heart of what running the race is all about. As you come to me and take my yoke upon you, I will fill you with my very life. This is how I, I choose to live in the world and accomplish my purposes. This is also how I bless you with my joy unspeakable and full of glory. The joy is mine and the glory is mine, but I bestow them on you as you live in my presence, inviting me to live fully in you. The God of this universe, He loves you. He gave His best for you, and you matter. You have significance, meaning, and purpose in this earth, and, and there's a reason you're here. And so to run your race, but more importantly than trying to win, it's what are you running after? And to run after Jesus, not away from Him, because He loves you. He loves you like crazy, and that's what this movie's all about. And when people watch it, they'll realize what it's all about and what life's all about. And um, that life's all about um, God's love for us and what He did for us and being able to run after what's important, and, um, and that's Jesus. So that's why it's so special. Run the Race movie debuted in theaters in February 2019. For more information about the film, visit runtheracemovie.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling podcast, we speak with entrepreneur and philanthropist Helena Cho. Helena is the CEO of Good Works Make a Difference, a fashion-forward company that donates 25% of their profits to charitable organizations. Helena's desire to do good works comes from her deep faith in God, which has sustained her through the toughest moments in her career. Now, at early 30s, I was living the American dream. I had buildings, I had houses, but in 2008, the market crashed, and the company that I have built, that I've never known failure since 25 and a half, it tumbled, completely bankrupt, lost everything. So in my desperateness, because I had no one, nowhere to go, I'm just lost and broken and broke, um, I kneeled to God. 
I kneel to God. Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscription help us share these stories of faith to more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.